Church, everybody. How y'all doing? Good? Let me hear you. Let me hear you. So let me just get prepared here. Uh, Got to mess with my iPad. Um, how many of you have been enjoying our series on relationships? Not bad. I've had a blast. How about Nadia? I mean, she's not here this Sunday, but um, what a gift of God. What a gift she is to the church, right? Just the vulnerability that she had with us and her sharing her heart and her testimony. What? What an extraordinary uh, privilege it is to be part of the same church that she attends. She's an animal, and she's a beast when it comes to evangelism. I've never seen something like her on the face of the earth. Well, we're going we're to get into um, uh, another talk about relationships, although this may be just a bit different than previous messages. I want to talk a little bit about our relationship with things. Relationship with things, right? I mean, some of you are excited. Some of you are like, I'll wait to get excited. <laughs> but I want to talk about our relationships with things. Listen, we all have relationships with things, don't we? I mean, listen, if you're unsure if you have a relationship with something other than a human, just ask somebody who's close to you. Maybe your mom, dad, maybe a friend, maybe a girlfriend or boyfriend, maybe your wife. My wife always uh, throws me under the bus when it comes to my phone. Like, she thinks I have a, a, a particular a uh, unique relationship with my phone between social media, texting, and all. And I got to say, I do. She's right. I mean, I can't, um, I, I can't lie. It, it surely can be a problem if I'm not careful. Um, how many remember, and I, don't, don't raise your hands, but um, part of the series that we did not too long ago, The Promise, The Church, and The Men Who Turned the World Upside Down, we talked about the early church's relationship with things. It was in Acts chapter 4 and 5. If you remember, if you don't, I won't hold it against you. It's all right. (laughs) Hard crowd, hard crowd. Uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 32 through 34. If you have your Bibles, turn there. I'm sure our uh, Anna McDonald will have it up on the screen for those who don't. Um, And those uh, who don't, just have your neighbor look at you judgmentally. If you don't have your Bibles, just give them that glare like, you're at church. Acts chapter 4, 32 through 34 says this, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. Let me read that again. Open our ears to this. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things... That belonged to him was his own. They had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. Isn't that remarkable? Can you imagine this in 2018? You know, a community where there's just this extreme generosity going on. And the fruit of that generosity is that there's none in need among us. That's that's wild. Luke says that the full extent of those who believe were of one heart and soul. A very distinct unity that was uncommon for some time was now being noted by Luke as precious. A precious thing. Unity, oneness. I mean... We kind of treat it as cavalier sometimes, but this is remarkable. Actually, people being of one mind, one heart, I, I, can't, even, I can't even begin to wrestle with what that looks like. 
I mean, I have a hard time being in sync with my wife, let alone a stranger, somebody I'm just going to church with. And along with the oneness here, we have what seems to be a visible disenchantment with things, material stuff. And this isn't just any old thing, guys. These are homes and properties, okay? We're not talking about 10% of your income going to the church. We're talking about what may be inheritances. <laughs> Remarkable. I know. I, listen, if talking about giving and generosity is a hang-up for you this morning, I apologize. But that's where we're going. Relationship with things. So there's a disenchantment, right? And it's mainly seen in the way that these people are selling their property, their home, for the betterment of the community. They gave things away that rightfully was theirs, right? It was theirs, but they gave it like it wasn't theirs. This is what Luke says in Acts chapter 4. He says, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. I mean, these people were selling, again, their homes and properties. I can't even imagine today if my wife came to me and said, hey, honey, you know what we're doing? We're going to sell our home. I'd be like, you're crazy. Get behind me, Satan. I can't imagine what my response to that would be. I'd like to imagine that it would be something within proximity to what these people were doing in the early church. But I'm an American. (laughs) I'm an American and it's 2018. Like, we Americans, we very much view our possessions as our own. Like, like, that's my time. That's, That's my America, my borders, my house. Those are my children, my body, my Sabbath, my retirement, my rest, my cars, my life, my 401k. It's mine. It's mine. But this is not what is seen and noted here in the book of Acts. It's interesting that we would be a community that prays for revival. Listen, I'm all for it, but we overlook this. This is is what happens in the context of revival. Generosity. (gasps) What do you mean? It's not just sign wonders and miracles? No. Sorry to let you down. It's generosity. Extreme, extravagant generosity. Now, again, if if talking about generosity is a hang-up for you, I apologize somewhat sincerely. I do. It's a little bit... Yeah, okay, I'm not sincere in it. But if if talking about it is a hang-up for you, my my concern goes far more than just your uh, agreeing or disagreeing with my philosophy or my theology on generosity. I could care less. I will go home, sleep the same tonight as I would if I knew half of this room disagreed with me. But my concern for us mostly, Hilltop, is that we may be missing one of the central themes of the gospel, and that is God the giver. John knows exactly what I'm talking about. He went to seminary. God the giver. He's a gospel man. I'm a gospel man. There's there's something kindred in our hearts. Where was I? You distracted me. I just was like, John. God the giver, right? I mean, think about it. The beginning of the gospel story. God's rescue mission to humanity starts with the words. 
For God gave. (laughs) Am I the only one that's somewhat sentimental about that? God's opening statement in providing Jesus as a sacrifice is this. For God so loved the world, he gave his son. God is a giver. The Bible says that God is the giver of the Holy Spirit. He is the giver of life. Not just any old life, but life more abundantly. He's the one who gives us life. He's the one who gave his life. I'm sorry, I just got the chills there. Something in my gut just went off. He's he's the God who gives back to his children. Good measure. Pressed down, shaken together and running. I don't even know what that means. But it sounds, it sounds really good. It sounds really good that God would give to the giver the full measure and even beyond what the giver gave in the first place. Pressed down, shaken together and runneth over. I like that. God, the giver of every good and perfect gift. I mean, it makes sense. God is the author of the words, it's better to give than receive. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching it up here this morning, y'all. Talk to me. It's all right to get excited in church. You can smile. Like, like you're a saved people. <laughs> Some, like the stare of death. It's okay. It's all right. It's in a funeral. It's church, y'all. It's church. It would make sense that God is like this because he is the author of the words. It's better to give than receive. Now, before I go much further and get sidetracked, I'm often befuddled by what provoked such generosity in the book of Acts. And it's not just the book of Acts that we have as an example with this. We have the entirety of the gospel. When anybody came into contact with the gospel, as something is so costly, so lovely, so sacrificial, you know what people did? They gave. They gave. Matter of fact, you can see the answer of what provoked such generosity in these people right within these verses here in Acts chapter 4. Let me see here. Okay, Acts chapter 4, verse 33. It says, with great power, with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the gospel, y'all. The gospel being preached with power is provoking people to pour out their lives generously. And who knows? I'm sure that it looked different for many of this community. Maybe for some it was the selling of homes. For others it was just joining in, locking in with the community. I don't know what it was, but there was, sense, uh, there was certainly an air of generosity in these people. And it was extravagant. These people weren't dealing with just a 10% issue. (laughs) Like, okay, forget about your theology of tithing is actually a biblical thing. Let's just look at the book of Acts. Because they're certainly not struggling with like, okay, should I tithe 10%? I don't know. Like, oh no, like, bing. No, let's give our home. Let's let's sell our property. (laughs) So ridiculous. Listen, if you're still reducing your generosity to a percent, 
If you're, if I, I, listen, I, I'm not trying to throw rocks in glass houses either. Like, I struggle with being generous. Doesn't matter. I will preach against, I will preach generosity. Irregardless of where my heart is at, I will preach it until I feel it. Because there's so much that's been given to me in Christ. The only natural response is for me to do something likewise. You don't have to clap, but at least smile. So the gospel is being preached with power. Right? That means the forgiveness of sins is being declared. That means the sacrifice of God's Son is being preached with power. I believe the gospel was the key to their sacrificial giving. I believe that the power of the gospel is why the early church's disconnectedness with things was happening. I believe the gospel being preached is provoking this extreme generosity. I also believe that the grace that was noted by Luke that rested upon the whole community was the grace to give. in seminary <laughs> the grace right that's is, I hope I don't lose my I don't want right after Luke notes that the gospel's being preached with power he says and a great grace rests upon what was the grace I don't know about you but if I'm here in, in order for somebody like me to give oh I gotta be convinced I got, I got to be convinced. Oh, you have a couple dudes preaching the gospel with power? Oh, it's going to convince my heart. Have you ever watched a good movie? Like a good movie, not just like Infinity Wars. Like, that's great. No, I, listen, hear me. I love Infinity Wars. Shout out. It's Tony Stark's still alive. That's my boy. Love me some Iron Man. But, but have you ever watched a good man where either... I'm a good man. Sure. What is, Back it up. Have you ever watched a good movie where the actor did something so sacrificial? Like, maybe even to the point of his death. It just so moved your heart when you witnessed the Hacksaw Ridge. Have, has anybody seen Hacksaw Ridge? 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 I don't know. Whatever. Okay? Hacksaw Ridge. This guy sacrificially lays down his life. For his military friends. I wanted to enlist after I watched this movie. I was like, throw me in. Where can I go? Navy, Army, I'll do it. I just want to be like that. But in short, what I'm trying to say is when we see something, hear something that is so rich and so powerful in truth. Oh, man. I don't know. What I, I'm like, put me in the story. How can, I, how can I be like this person? How can I be as selfless as a person? Not tangled up with things and materialism, but just living life with open hands. I want to live life with open hands when it comes to giving. Oh, could you imagine if God was stingy like us? Oh, we'd spend eternity in hell. Oh, but God was rich in mercy. He was open-handed. He said, I'm going to send my son for them. Bankrupts heaven. The rose of Sharon. The darling of heaven was placed on a tree like a criminal for the sins of humanity. God is a generous giver. And there is no better story on the planet that, I don't know the word, but 
creates generosity in our hearts than that of the gospel. And I believe that's the response. But you know what? It's not just their response. There's another person who has a similar response. And that is Mary. You remember Mary? I catch my breath. I swear I got to do more workouts. Something, something to help me. Remember Mary? The girl who kind of recklessly um, was at this dinner. Dinner of all places, right? I mean, how awkward is that? Like, you're just trying to eat some food with Jesus. Some girl walks in emotionally uncontrolled. That's what most scholars say, that Mary was emotionally un- just a mess. A mess. She's just like, ah. And she comes with this very costly, this very expensive perfume and breaks it and pours it out over the feet of Jesus. And nobody was even preaching. It was just that the gospel was right there before her. It was Jesus, the Passover lamb. (laughs) Nobody had to say anything. Matter of fact, it would be interesting to see what the conversation was up at that point. I mean, people hanging back, you know, I don't even, how do you hang back and eat? I'm trying to, you know, they were kicked back, is what the Bible said, reclined, I think is the actual words. But here comes Mary. She comes over and she gives her 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 inheritance, a year's uh, salary, you know, just recklessly, wastefully even. Actually, that was the accusation of those who observed this act. Waste. You know, it's funny that there's always, when it comes to generosity and giving, there's always people like those disciples in that room who kind of, you know what? This is a prosperity thing. You just want my money. Who said anything about that? You know, or, or, or better yet, in Acts, we had Ananias and Sapphira. Right? Trying to give the appearance of like, oh yeah, we did it. We gave it. We, we sold it just like Barnabas. Yeah, we gave it all to the church. And they lied. They tried to give this impression that they were being moved. And it happened right in the context of such generosity. And here, similar to the story of Mary, we have Jesus' disciples. Of all people. Of all people. Jesus' closest Friends, calling this act wasteful. Could you? And we, and I would like to think that I would do. I would be Peter. I would be Judas. I, I would be. That's such a waste. I could be a given to the poor all along. I know I'm not going to give the money to the poor. Hey, there's something of truth that needs to enter our hearts. There's something of the truth about ourselves, of the links and the risks we're willing to take that needs to fill our hearts. Sometimes it's just a veneer. And all the while, internally, we know we're not telling the truth. I I sympathize with Judas. I sympathize with people in that room because I very much know that I would be, that is wasteful. But back to my point, there's always homies that want to discredit generosity. There's always people trying to paint it in some kind of light where people are just trying to manipulate and take. Listen, this is not me going after anything other than just generosity, a culture of generosity. If we're going to be a people that prays for revival, oh, then all cards on the table, I'm going after every aspect of what that looked like. I'm not just going after signs, wonders, and miracles. 
and, 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 and greater impactful ministry. I'm looking for the real stuff. The real stuff that weighs on my heart a very stingy believer and says, no, Daryl, you need to change because this is the truth. God is a giver. And God tells his believers to, to mimic, to be like God. So Mary pours out her little flask of oil over Jesus' feet and people sneer and just demonize her act. It's totally... But you know what's interesting with the connection between the gospel and Mary's act here is Jesus, he, he spoke about this connection, right? And Luke, if you remember, Luke chapter 7, okay, every, every um, disciple, meaning Matthew, Luke, and John, had a different vantage point to this story, to what was going on. But Luke said something I don't think the others did where... Luke said, hey, you know what? The gospel will go to the ends of the earth and be preached. But what also will be preached is this woman's story. Why? I believe because it almost pictured right there in that moment the gospel itself. See, I don't want to just reduce it to a costly sacrifice, of which it was. Very much was. But it was almost like Mary was doing for Jesus in that moment what Jesus was going to do days from that moment. Really? And we want to argue about tithing. We want to try to build up some kind of, oh, 10% is not a New Testament demand. I don't even know what the arguments are. Guys, we're going after generous, generosity. We're not going after 8%. See, I'm not going this morning after figures and stats. What builds the church? What doesn't build the church? I'm not going after what I should give, what I shouldn't give, this percent, that percent. For me, the floor is level. And the issue is, God, get my heart. And when you get my heart, take or get my generosity. Get me to be generous. You know, I have a reputation of playing it safe. I'm sorry, I'm throwing myself under the bus a lot here, and this is where I'm closing, just so you can get excited. He's done. No. I have a reputation of, of being stingy. I like, I like low-risk scenarios, you know? Uh, my wife puts me in this place of where, like, we want to give that much? Like, really? You, <laughs> really? That's what the Lord spoke to you? Like, do you remember we have this bill or that and that? We have this thing to do. You, 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 you sure? Can we come back to the table and talk about this? I like low-risk scenarios. But faith doesn't work. In low-risk low scenarios. I don't know if I'm saying that right. But, but we need to be a people, people of faith, not playing it safe. And that goes with our time. We need to take risk with our time. Stop with this Sabbath talk. I'm all for honoring the Sabbath. Let's take that day of rest. But let's not make a God out of it. Even Jesus broke the Sabbath. Read it. It's in the book. 
I'm all about giving and giving with wisdom and stewardship. But not at the point where I'm not able to take any risk in my giving. The gospel pulls something out of its believers in its costly sacrifice. That's what it pulls out of us. Essentially, the gospel draws from us the desire to be as extravagant in our sacrificing as the gospel did itself in Jesus Christ. gospel like Mary's story is a story of sacrifice wrapped in extreme measures taken by God who loved the world so much God that he gave his son seeking meaning his objective in giving his son for our sins was that none would perish God is a giver and he calls us to be givers also. Jesus, we thank you for this group and these people. And Lord, we ask, God, that your grace would cover all of my weakness. I see in part, God, I am not perfect. But I ask, Lord, that something would transcend even my weakness this morning. Your mercy would fill our hearts. Your grace would fill our hearts this morning, today. Now, right now. Father, I pray that a spirit of generosity would fill this church. God, that we would reject stingy Christianity where we hold on to things tightly. Father, where we have commitments and allegiance with things. Set us free, God. And make us not just embody a culture of revival in word. Because we know all the lingo and the rhetoric. Help us to do it indeed. Where it's sacrificial. Help our response to be that of Barnabas' response. And not Ananias and Sapphira. Help our response to be Mary's response. And not your disciples. God, we pray. Fill us with an extraordinary grace. And let the same grace to give that rested upon the early church be on us. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. It's okay.